Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth Frader of Skewed and Reviewed, and you can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, travel, entertainment, pop culture, and more. And I'm really happy to say that we were recently uh, given elite status on Yelp for our travel and entertainment reviews, and hopefully... Uh, as the world situation improves, we're hoping to resume that. We've been doing some coverage uh, in the months leading up to it, and with the current wave of uh, infections going on, we've had to throttle back our plans. We have some tentative things on the books for uh, September and uh, hopefully into October, so we'll have to see where they are, but fingers crossed, a lot of good stuff ahead. You can also catch us at Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, keyword skewed which is a network of 12 newspapers and 21 markets that cover our gaming and entertainment uh, reviews and articles. There's our quarterly magazine, Skewed and Reviewed the Magazine, which you can get at Barnes & Noble and other outlets via their website. And, of course, we have my weekly segment on BJ Shea's Geek Nation, which is on KISWFM, part of the Intercom network of uh, papers, uh, excuse me, papers, radio stations, and we have the segment up on Friday. We just recorded a really nice one that I'm looking forward to you hearing. And uh, recently, very happy to mention, we added Sci-Fi Radio into the mix. So each Friday, twice a day, uh, you'll be able to hear the show. So very grateful for them. Uh, Michael and Justin are with me. We have a really nice segment for you today covering a lot of stuff. Wanted to at least uh, start off really quick with a mention of a couple of DVDs. The complete 11th and final season of Shameless is available from Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. I was really surprised to look back and go, wow, it really has been 11 seasons of this show. If you haven't seen it, it's a Showtime series that uh, follows the highly dysfunctional Gallagher clan. It is based on a British show, and it has been extremely good. You've got William H. Macy leading the dysfunctional family, and this is the final season that uh, you know essentially wraps everything up in the final 12 episodes it had a very interesting finale I won't spoil anything but let's just say they developed a lot of plot threads over the season and didn't bother answering them as the show ended they addressed certain things but a lot of stuff was just poof left and it kind of upset some people and then other people said well that's not bad because it leaves it open for the future and I kind of took it as a life goes on with them it's always something it's always uh, tomorrow might be better bad things happen so uh check it out it was really really uh, a good set and it has been a fantastic series the other thing to keep an eye on is batman the long halloween part two we have our review on the site and if you are a fan of batman if you're a fan of the graphic novel in which it's based upon you will definitely want to check that out it is for my money it's one of the more enjoyable Batman adaptations uh, right up there with Killing Joe, the Killing Joe uh, on Warner Video. So, guys, uh, we had a very interesting week, lots of stuff going on so far, and one of the big news things right off the bat was some information from Sony where they said they have secured enough chips to ensure their goals for PlayStation 5's manufacturing chip this year which would roughly be 14.8 million units in the fiscal year, which would bring the number to 22.6 million units shipped 
in total since it was released. And let's start off with uh, Justin. What do you make of this? Oh, it's uh, fantastic news. I mean, I've been hearing a lot about the the chip shortages, uh, not just with Sony's products, but you know, even just in my own work, uh, it's just causing all sorts of havoc. Um, and as someone who's really wanted to get a PS5 um, and found it pretty difficult, um, you know, it's it's great news that you know some reprieve is on the way for those of us who have been kind of eagerly awaiting uh, getting a PS5. Uh, so this is this is good news. I mean, obviously, I think you know it's going to take some time for stuff to really catch up. Um, and for the chips to kind of like start flowing so that you know there's a good supply um so we'll have to kind of see you know how this goes and hopefully it you know it means that uh chips are um more readily available you know not just for you know playstations but for pretty much everything that we're experiencing chip shortages for so uh, i think it's great news um for anybody out there who's like me and been sort of waiting on on the sidelines waiting for uh, the chance to get a PS5 uh, sounds like um, you know that you know help is on the way. Yeah, exactly, and I think it'll make the holiday season very interesting, uh, especially with reports from uh, various sources about some of the product that might be coming. Uh, but before we get to that, Michael, what is your take on this situation? Yeah, I mean it's interesting. We don't know what that fiscal means, so we don't know if that's a bunch, how many units that's going to be, and how much of that backlog they're going to be able to catch up on. But it does sound at least like there's going to be some improvement. Uh, I have heard other um, chip uh, issues are starting to sort themselves out as well. And I think that's not too much of a surprise. I think the expectation was by Q4 2021 or, or going into 2022 that a lot of these things would start to start to alleviate a bit. I, I don't think there's going to be any real relief probably until huh, mid next year or maybe even 2023 um, when a lot of these fabs come kind of come online and and we can start catching up with some of the backlog but as justin said it's obviously great news for those who are have been patiently waiting for a playstation 5 sony's been pretty good about getting product and, and getting it out um you know out to you know the customers nowhere near the the level of supply that the demand is asking for but it does sound like they're at least you know looking forward to um being able to deliver a bit of these uh, for the holiday season and i think we've kind of talked about before it really hasn't been much to miss out on uh with playstation 5 so far so i, I think um hopefully there will be a better uh, better showing of, of stuff coming and that with the, along with that more uh, playstations to go along with it so i think yeah it's always good news when we hear that shortages are gonna uh, start to decrease some and the scalpers will hopefully end up with a lot of inventory that they're gonna have to dump for a, a much cheaper price so yeah let's just hope that we uh, start seeing some more availability um, on the shelves and and actually have a you know a holiday season where folks can get these delivered and i think that's going to be key because the Demand has certainly been there, and I think as supply catches up, it will be important not only to make sure you get enough units out, but as you said, you don't want people sitting here saying, okay, I've got the system, what am I going to play on it? Because while there is a decent amount of original content, you know, you have Spider-Man, you have Ratchet and Clank, you have Little Big Planet, uh, so on, Returnal, so on and so forth, these games are going to be quite dated. Uh, for some, because let's be honest, there are people that if it's less than 
if you know if it's more than two months old, it's old news, and they're going to be wanting to stream and capture and get in with their friends. So it'll be really interesting to see what the marketplace game-wise is there. Where there was a Call of Duty earnings report, uh, Call of Duty, excuse me, an earnings report where Call of Duty came up. And, you know, we got the usual, okay, it's coming out, and we've got the window, which would probably make it somewhere between October and December of this year. And they mentioned that a popular feature would be returning to the menu. They mentioned that it'll be something that people are aware of. So a lot of people expect it to be a sequel to one of the other franchises, uh, prior games, such as like Call of Duty World War II Part Two or something like that. But... Uh, a lot of speculation is it's going to be coming soon, probably going to happen during Gamescom. And it will be, uh, obviously, there'll be a current gen and a next gen version of the game. Let's not forget you have games like Dying Light 2 coming that are going to be very interesting. And then you have other releases. We've already mentioned in the past uh, games that are due in August, like uh, Aliens Fireteam Elite. But then you have things that are due in October such as Back for Blood, and that, along with X Defiant, are doing their uh, beta testing this weekend, and some will be carrying over to next week. So you're seeing some more games. It'll be interesting to know when the next round will be dropping. I know that you have uh, Battlefield uh, to look forward to. There will be the you know new Madden game, that sort of thing, because we're getting very close to football. It's hard to believe that tomorrow... Uh, night is going to mark the uh, first game the hall of fame game so that'll be interesting to see and uh, you know changing world folks now as we move on uh, we had some news from disney that the popular annual passes were um, removed last year which was a very controversial move many people felt it was due to the pandemic other people felt it was a response from Disney to try to prevent overcrowding at the park, especially since they understood that when they reopened, there would likely be reduced capacity. Now, the uh, new layout has uh, been revealed and is called the Magic Key, and it comes in various tiers. So bear with me for a moment while I break this down and give you an idea uh, for those that aren't aware, the annual passes did come in various amounts, and the higher amount that you paid gave you greater access to the park on more days, perks, and so on and so forth. So to give you a breakdown, the first level is called the Imagination Key. It comes down to $399 a year, or $19 a month for 12 months, and uh, Southern California residents only get to do the annual payments, I mean the monthly payments. $179 down payment. Your reservation-based admission to one or both parks on select days of the year. It is available for Southern California residents only, and you can make two park reservations hold at a time. 10% off merchandise, 10% off select food and beverage. I saw a chart that showed how many days that each one offered. I believe this one was like 212 days out of the year are available. At $649, there is the Enchant Key, which is, um, uh, let's see here. Same thing, uh, up to four park reservations instead of two, 10% off merchandise, 10% off food. It allows uh, a few more days. I want to say it was like 
250 or 270, something like that. Now, as you go up the ladder for $949, there's the Believe Key, which allows you up to six park reservations at a time, 10% off merchandise, 10% off food, 50% off parking, and has, I believe, uh, almost 300 days of access a year. And then for the folks who really are hardcore, at $1,399 a year or $102 a month, uh, there is the Dream Key, which supposedly offers a full 365-day access, up to six park reservations, 20% off merchandise, 15% off food and beverage, and includes all theme park parking. I had some people say, well, it's not really 365. There might be blackout dates, like they could say, well, nothing's happening during Christmas time, and so on and so forth. And then others are saying, no, that's some of the lower tiered ones. So let's flip it around, and we'll ask Michael, what do you think about this? Well, I think it shows that we're kind of getting back into some normalcy, right? We're getting the opportunities to uh, see folks getting you know, annual passes, getting back into the parks. Um, I think it's a really good deal for people who are in Southern California residents because those are the ones who really get to enjoy um, going there on a regular basis. I think really, you know, that that tends to be a, a huge benefit for those folks, not only from the payment plan perspective, but again, they have the availability. They don't need to worry about hotels and and they get a lot more opportunity to do that. So uh, so, yeah, I think it, it you know, it's it's not something that I've ever done and obviously probably wouldn't given my location. But at the same time, I'm glad that there's an opportunity for folks who are are big Disney fans to be able to you know go on a regular basis and, and take advantage of all those perks. And Justin, your take, please. Yeah, Michael's totally right. I think one of the key takeaways is that um, Disney's becoming a little bit more comfortable with uh, returning to more normal policies for uh, admittance. Uh, this kind of shows, you know, that they're they're kind of willing. I mean, if they're willing to have certain guests come in basically year round, um, that sort of means that they're they're confident that they can kind of safely operate the park, um, you know, and allow for. Uh, for for more guests and more normalcy so and i'm, I'm pretty much in the same boat I'm, I, I don't i'll be honest i don't remember the last time i've even been to uh one of disney's parks but um it's definitely a, a some of those upper tiers are probably a a huge uh um uh, opportunity for people who live in southern california and uh can go there regularly yeah and it's interesting because this is something we've looked at uh, from time to time over the years. And it, it's kind of a, oh, how, how would I put it? I think for me, it's a complicated situation because I look at it and say, okay, yeah, we get uh, park tickets. Now they used to give um, a certain amount per year. And that could also be flexible that if you were covering a certain event. So like, for example, you came out to do a park visit, you would get four tickets uh, to come out and they would often be park hoppers or they would say, you know, you could have four one day for Disney, four one day for the other, they, they, you know, that neither here nor there. And then they would say, hey, you know, if you're coming out for Halloween, if you're coming out for the holiday stuff, we can make an exception and do a, a second round there, providing you don't come during the week between Christmas and stuff, because that tends to be blacked out and and do that. So at that point, you go, OK, I'm good. The flip side of it is at $125 or so a ticket, 
the $400 plan isn't necessarily a bad one, but you have to make sure that you're going to do at least four days uh, out of the year. Now, if you break it down, you could say, well, heck, in two visits, you could do four days. Even if you only did one park one day, the other park the next day, there's two of your four. You do four visits, you're still saving money, add in the food, add in the cost of beverage and everything like that. And if you were to perhaps come two or three times a year, uh, separate visits, you know, one or two days on that, you're absolutely set. Now, playing devil's advocate with that, one of the tricks is you have to make sure you use it. Um, we have seen park passes at other parks. There are some that are cheaper considerably that give you 365 day access, but you have to kind of be smart about how you use it because Michael, we've talked about this. One of the temptations is that whenever you're in the area, you feel, you know what, I need to stop by and at least shop or pop into the area and make sure I use it because if I'm not gonna be back for four or five months, you know, there's that, well, I'm, you know, I only have two or three hours free. Maybe I should at least pop in for a little bit and use it, get my value. And that is something Disney is trying to avoid. They want you to make sure that you come in and do the full experience. But you and I have talked about, uh, you remember the time you covered the Halloween pictures and you talked about there were some things that were hard to photograph because it was in uh, the, the low lighting situation at night and that sort of thing. And I had a situation where I came several weeks later and said, oh, I've got a couple of hours, popped in while my wife was getting her nails done before a cruise, took the photos, got out. So I think for me, the key is you got to show value, but you have to have flexibility. And I think it's a good thing all in all when you consider that there are parks that you can go in, do two to four hours and you're good. But that's not a Disney park. A Disney park is usually one that you're going to spend at least six seven eight hours in and make a day of it so it seems to me like they're offering a little bit of uh, something for everybody and trying to be flexible and it'll be very interesting to see what the response is and how this uh, plays out going forward now the other thing i wanted to mention is we've heard all about the pending star wars star cruiser hotel for those of you that are not familiar with it it is an experience that'll be opening in Florida next year. And essentially you go in and there's, uh, from what I gather, a ride element to it, which simulates you taking a shuttle up to a star cruiser in space. And while you are there, you will be essentially a guest on a luxury star cruiser for two days at a time. All your entertainment, your food, your cabin, everything is going to be Star Wars themed. Uh, and then apparently you'll have things like the First Order tries to invade your ship. There'll be things for the kids. It's supposed to be a quite an immersive Star Wars fan experience. Well, pricing came out today and that apparently it will be $6,000 for a family of four to do a two night stay. And uh, that definitely caught people's attention. And, uh, you know, there, there was one that I saw broken down and said, well, you know, if you have so many people in the room, it, it only comes out to, you know, this many uh, per day, this, you know, so on and so forth. And at first there was a lot of shock over it. But then as I pointed out, if you look at some of the Disneyland hotels, 
Michael, you'll know this. There are times where, you know, 400 to $500 a night is often the standard going rate to stay at one of the on-park properties. And so, you know, yes, the argument could be, well, that'd only be $1,000 for a two-night stay. But they also are saying, we're putting in all your food and entertainment and a unique experience. So, Justin, you start us off. What do you make? What do you make of this? Yeah, so my my initial thoughts are that's a that's that's quite a lot of money. But I think, you know, you would really have to kind of break it down and do and break down some math cuz you know, if you're going on a on a trip, you know, full family, um you know, n- not just the the actual experience itself. I mean, you're talking about tickets out there and and all that. But when you start to break down like food, uh, tickets to get into some of these parks, uh, like you said, hotels, um, you know, it does, it does start to add up. And, you know, I really think you would prop, it probably still comes out to being more, but also, you know, there's the novelty of of this being a new experience. I'm going to just say like, you know, if I was a kid, this would be just like the dream come true, uh, of a, of an experience. So, uh, I mean, there there is that factor as well. I mean, I don't think anyone really should expect this to basically be the same price as uh, uh, as going to um, some of the Disney parks because it is a, a new experience. You know, maybe eventually the, the pricing will go down, but also you have to factor in that, you know, the capacity is is limited. So, you know, that's just supply and demand. There's just not, not that much supply for... Uh, for people who want it so that the cost goes up um so uh th- it, it is pretty pricey but you know I, I would just urge that you know people would have to kind of actually break down the math and it actually probably come down a little a little closer um to what people expect if they actually added up all of the things that they spend money on when they uh, go on vacation to some of these parks but it probably is still considerably more expensive uh I would have to break down the numbers. I don't have those numbers in front of me, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it does sound like a really cool experience, especially for a family. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I hopefully, you know, kind of opens the door for them to do other kind of similar ideas, uh, with their other properties, you know, like a Marvel, some sort of Marvel theme, like maybe you stay at the, uh, um, the Avengers tower or something. Um, you never know. That would be beyond crazy, but that that sounds pretty awesome. Michael, your take on this, please. So I think there's a couple ways you can look at this. One is um, they specify a family of four, so they're probably not going to let four or more adults share a room. And and most hotels are pretty strict about that anyways. I imagine Disney would be as well. So I don't think we can necessarily say they're going to let 10 people share uh, the room and they're going to all split the cost. So I think that's probably something that they have already put it you know uh, already put a stop to but you could look at it as if you live nearby within driving distance and you're not paying for airfare and if you're used to going on a trip where you take your kids to europe for this for a week or two um where airfare might be four grand by itself it may not be that bad now um i say live nearby because i think if you start factoring things like airfare into that rental car into that then the six thousand becomes ten thousand twelve thousand dollars which again not unusual for some people obviously not something that i would do but um 
there are people that do family vacation trips and they go to Europe or whatever. So there are there are those folks that will spend ten thousand dollars on a summer trip or or whatever. And again, it is a it is a once in a lifetime experience. I don't think it's something that they want people doing return trips to um, necessarily. I think it's meant to be an experience that you do once, um, something you kind of you know lavish in for that time, and then it's on to somebody else. And again, it is a limited a limited amount of folks. Um, and it is catered to that as well. So uh, it is a bit unfortunate. I think that for most families, this would be not something that will be doable. Um, but I do think for those who have an opportunity, uh, you know, I, I, I think the price is a little bit high personally. Uh, but again, we have to, you have to factor in that they're trying to keep it that way because of the, the minimal uh, space and the experience that they're trying to do. And again, they're, they're taking into account that, you know, a family of four, if they're traveling from overseas, you know, across the country and they're paying for a 4,000 airfare, maybe if it's somebody that lives close enough to drive, they don't mind spending that for the, for the, you know, the room. Again, it is a two day kind of experience, which makes it a little bit more expensive in my opinion. But again, um, if you, you know, if you've got the means to do so, it's certainly something that I think would be worthwhile and obviously something to, to, you know, remember by. Exactly. And, you know, and here, here's some just counter numbers to throw at you. Uh, pricing is similar to what a cruise would be. And when you consider your food and entertainment is on that, which makes me wonder if Disney Cruise Line, uh, Disney Vacation Club points can be applied to it as you can with any Disney resort. I would think in time that will be an option. I, I would think probably at first it'll probably be no while they, you know, get the initial wave of people out of it down the line i could see that being an option and someone like ourselves saying well as you said it's an experience and if this is roughly what we would give point wise to go on a cruise for three to five to seven days maybe we can justify it um to give you an idea i just looked up some various numbers at various disney properties and i i used the date from september 30th to october 2nd just randomly but uh, just, you know, as I said, spitting off a few numbers right here. Currently, the rates at Disney's Grand Californian Hotel and Spa for those dates will run from $637 a night up to, uh, like the one-bedroom suites are $1,703 a night. And there are, of course, some other ones like three-bedroom suites and signature suites and two-bedroom suites that aren't available. But you get an idea. You can go up as high as $1,703 a night. For the uh, Disneyland Hotel, uh, you can go from $437 a night all the way up to $1,352, and that's for a two-bedroom family connecting suite. And then, of course, you have you know three-bedroom and signature suites and all these fancier things, club-level ones that uh, are not currently available. And then at the Paradise Pier, which uh, we've stayed at a few times. In fact, we've stayed at all of them. Um, you go from 399 a night up, and that is considered their more, you know, entry-level value line hotel. If you go out to Alani, you're looking in Hawaii, you are looking at anywhere from $579 to $733 and up. And of course, you know, uh, that's comparable pricing to, um, it's in Florida. Now, while, as you guys said, the sticker shock is definitely um, 
there. Um, you know, by comparison, just real quick, I'm going to give a couple more here. Uh, the Grand Floridian Resort starts at 465 a night. The Contemporary 452, Polynesian 606. These are current pricing, and they do have yes, they do have some of the more um, value-priced ones like the animators thing and so on and so forth. Uh, but to you know break it down, a two guest per cabin comes out to roughly $1,209 a night, $4,809 for your stay. A three guest cabin, $889 a person. A four guest per cabin comes down to $749 a person. They say now this is where to me that really seems, oh, that's per night. So it's $749 a night. So some people would say, well, if I'm paying $500 a night as it is for a hotel room and I get my food and entertainment, that's a bargain. The only difference is you pay $700, $400 a night for your hotel room. You could put four people in there. There you have it. So as you guys very clearly pointed out, you're paying for the experience. You're paying for the uh, exclusive uh, nature of it. And the last thing I have on this is I just took a quick look at the cruises that are going on right now and a current um two night staycation cruise where it doesn't even go anywhere and this is on the disney magic out of southampton england where it goes out two days comes back is 1266 dollars uh for two guests uh starting so you know comparable and then if you're getting up to the um you know the bigger events like the Three nights the Bahamas, some of the Halloween on the high sea things, you're getting into $1,700 uh, for two guests, that sort of thing. And those are, um, believe me, those are decent rates right now because it would not be uncommon uh, for somebody to say, well, geez, you know, we, we pay that, um, the you know, $1,700 for one person on some of these routes would not be uncommon. So it does look like they're offering a um, you know a more attractive rate option depending on the route you take and the location to entice people back. I think the big question is going to be somebody uh, compared it to Jurassic Park. Another person compared it to Westworld in that well, it's a resort for the rich, and it's like yeah, I could see that argument. At the same time, um, I think devil's advocate. If you pick one of the newer, nicer resorts. I would be very curious to see what your final cost is once you add in your food and your entertainment uh, and your stay for a couple of nights. Uh, so, you know, and of course, like you said, I think after the initial wave happens, it, you know, that'll be the question. You go through the people with money to burning a hole in their pocket, who've got it to spend, who won't worry about it. Then the question's going to be, where are they with repeat guests? And then do you get to a point where you're saying, well, perhaps we better have seasonal pricing and maybe have a lower rate in the off season. And this is all stuff to, um, you know, be figured out. I expect initially it's going to be packed. Uh, so, and, and why not? I mean, the, the idea behind it is very interesting. It'll just be very interesting to see what the uh, initial reactions are from the very first set of guests. Well, guys, we covered a lot of stuff. I am uh, just wanted to check to make sure that you do not have 
any other topics that you wanted to make sure that we included before we wrap things up. And uh, we will be back again next week on Sunday, folks. I wanted to make sure we get um, you know all that information out to you. And uh, gentlemen, anything else you wanted to add in before we wrap it up? Nothing for me. All right. Well, then, stay safe, everybody. Take care. And final thing, I did want to mention Ubisoft has a free uh, weekend to play Far Cry 5. So if you have not had a chance to play it yet, go check them out. You get a chance to download it and play it free this weekend. And I really enjoyed it. I think you will as well. Until next time, take care, and thank you for listening.